This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Well, the crew is back, and this segment is sponsored by John Dillon and the Dillon Law Group. If you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call attorney John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant, well, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. You can call him at 760-642-7150 or go to the website at dillonlawgp.com. All right, folks. Hey, you can watch us on YouTube, so tune in and live stream it at youtube.com slash gunownersradio. And do me a favor and hit that like and subscribe button so everybody can join in. Cover your ass. Whoops, that's Mike. Sorry, I almost stole your thunder. Yeah, well, there's no thunder. Cover your ass week is done. <laughs> the thunder is behind us, and it was very, very awesome, and uh, everybody enjoyed it, and John Korea was, was fantastic. That's right. You can tell it's done because Joe's spot is blank there. So. That's right. Yeah, you don't get to. <laughs> so we did something cool, Dave. We, were, we weren't just playing hooky last That's week. That's what I heard you were playing hooky. Me and Joe, we, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we went up to um, a seminar. Vacaville. Went up to wow. exotic Vacaville. Which is where I would go if I was playing hooky. I'm sure you <laughs> would. Which actually translates to Cowtown. Yes, it does. I lived in Vallejo. Oh, really? That's right down I the street there. Born huh? and raised. I didn't know that. I only went to Vacaville twice. Oh, well. <laughs> if that tells you anything. Well, we went up for a CCW coordinator seminar. Did you crash it or were you invited? No, we weren't just invited. We uh, we sponsored it. We, San Diego uh, County Gun Owners helped sponsor it. Wow. And what it was is uh, Solano County, which is what Vacaville, mm-hmm. that's the county where Vacaville is in. They have a really fantastic um, uh, deputy there who runs their CCW division. And he puts on an informational seminar for all the sheriff's departments in California, which is, there are 58 of them. There are 58 of them, but I don't how many showed? 38? I think he said 38 sheriff's departments, well, 15, 15 PDs, and then somebody from CHP was there. Yeah, and the whole idea was wow. it was it was basically two and a half days of information to try to help uh, different departments issue CCWs, have an easier time issuing CCWs. I would say, Joe, it was very it, there was there was no it, it wasn't philosophical or political. It was all nuts and bolts. Is that is that kind of an accurate way of putting it? Yeah, I think so. There was a lot of good information there, and and like you know, Deputy Pinder was saying that you know they have agencies there that are that are kind of stingy that don't issue a lot. They have other agencies that issue you know very well, very openly, and everything in between. So the idea there was to try to provide information to help all the agencies get better, to try to bring the ones that are a little bit stingy about it up into the you know into the current time <laughs> i guess and try to get them to, to issue a little bit more and then try to um provide information for the other ones to help them get better and more efficient at it and i, and I felt like there was a lot there was some emphasis on just smoothing the process out 
I mean, the, the, you and I found out that there's a huge uh, difference between how many permits are being issued in different departments. You know, there, there are some departments, like we talked to a one-man department that was issuing, you know, one guy was issuing 200 permits a month. Uh, we're here in San Diego. We're, we're trying to, we're trying, we're, we wish, you know, yeah, trying you know, to catch up. Well, and it's interesting too, because everybody's working under the same guidance, I guess, from the state. Yeah. And yet some, some departments or some agencies are able to implement that a little more efficiently and effectively and, and others. Well, seem to... couldn't you make that the same thing as a politician? You know, you get one politician that really busts his butt and does everything and gets everything done. And then you get politicians that don't want to hardly do anything. I think you could say the same thing about a sheriff, really, when you come right down to it. Yeah, I did, I don't know if I got that impression. It really was about uh, some of the clerks that we talked to um, were really interested to hear, hey, what are you guys doing that that is making it more efficient? Yeah, what are the stingy ones saying? That the ones that aren't giving them out are they? Did they ask questions to to, to other sheriffs' departments? I felt like there was there was a lot of that going. There was on. a fair amount of questioning and, and things like that going on. It's hard to tell which you know which agencies were which. Well, yeah, when they're asking yeah. questions and yeah. talking like that, but it seemed pretty positive. I mean, there weren't yeah. any there weren't negative comments that I saw or heard, or you know, people criticizing that. I mean, if they they were there, they were there. They're interested in, in doing it better, I would think. And I, I don't know if I'm. This might be my own impressions or my own opinions or biases or whatever. I, it it didn't it, it doesn't feel like county some counties maybe but it di- doesn't feel like many of the counties are uh, refusing to issue because they don't like guns right. that, that's not it doesn't feel exactly okay. I mean I, I understand there are some sheriffs out there where that is the case 100 percent yeah but these, well, isn't there they, one in San Diego no not anymore not anymore <laughs> well it used to be <laughs> not Remember? anymore but the it felt like the clerks and the staff it's it was more like we don't want to get in trouble. You know, we don't want this is a, an enormous responsibility, which we all agree. Totally. It's an it's an enormous responsibility. So we don't want to do we don't want to screw this up. I'm clerk, you know, so and so. I don't want to make I don't want to screw this up. And there there doesn't you know, when it's it's not a priority and it's kind of discouraged from from the top levels of the state mm-hmm. and it's left to the fifty eight counties, you know, and they're trying to put together a process and a procedure with hardly any uh, help or guidance, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's what I, that's th- honestly, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. That's probably the problem, but I don't know how much guidance we want from the state either. <laughs> you know, I was just, gonna I'm not say. sure they'd make it better. They'd probably make it worse, but what stood out to you, Joe? What did you, what did you like particularly about the, um, I, like I said, uh, the like part, I thought it was, you know, people for the most part, I think were pretty enthusiastic. Um, I think the way it was organized was great. They got a lot of, um, you know, pretty interesting speakers and stuff, a lot of good information. The thing that I, I, I don't know, dislike, the thing that I was discouraged by a little bit, there was, um, you know, the attitude that, that this is a privilege, that, that they're kind of controlling the privilege and bestowing the privilege on people, mm. which isn't really right. I understand, I understand why it was talked about that way, because Michael pointed out, you know, the Ninth Circuit described it that way. And plus, you've got different agencies that feel differently, so you want to kind of tiptoe through that. But that part... And there's uh, there's more mention of good moral character than I thought was uh, was helpful, you know, because to me, in my mind, you know, what they should be doing this it's a right, it's not a privilege, and they should be issuing to, to law-abiding citizens. Their their big thing, I think, is or their big job, from my point of view, is to not issue to prohibited people and not issue to people that you shouldn't be issuing to. Yeah. But making a judgment on moral character and 
and the privilege thing, I think is kind of old fashioned. It's going to take a while, I think, to, to get away from that attitude. But that was kind of the, the lowest point that I so saw. So if you have tattoos, piercings, and long hair, there's a good chance you won't get well, I don't know. If, well, I don't know if it was that bad, but no, it was. I don't think it was like that. But it's I mean, down that road, but it's not not quite that bad. Well, so, and so I only did that, that to make an impression. Yeah, yeah. See, that's my thing. How do you make that assessment? You know, good moral character. Unless the person's got a criminal record or something like that, that should be the basis. It should be, and I think it probably is for the most part. It's just the way they were phrasing it was a little bit discouraging. Uh, and you know, lines. A- attendance there didn't seem to be uh, meaningful in in as far as you know. Hey, if you're pro CCW, you're there. If you're anti CCW, you weren't there. Orange County wasn't there for whatever reason, and Orange County has a fantastic CCW process. Um, the model, really, that most people are, are building on is is Orange County in, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways. Imperial County and L.A. County, they were both there. And uh, both of those counties are uh, they, they very, very stingy, I guess is, is yeah, the way. Uh, but I've heard, though, there's, there's more interest, though, from L.A. County nowadays on looking into this. Because if, if their sheriff really didn't want to send anybody, they wouldn't have sent anybody. Yeah, no, I agree. But I'll tell you, it was great. Uh, Joseph Pinder is the guy – from Solano Beach, he's or Solano Beach, Solano County. <laughs> um, he's the deputy up there that put this together, and I was so impressed. San Diego County Gun Owners, this is the first time we sponsored it. We're going to sponsor it again because it's a worthwhile yeah. goal. Any media coverage? No, but I think that was good. No, I, I was yeah. hoping you'd say no. Yeah. yeah. All yeah, right. They hey. were trying to avoid that, I think, anyway. I, I, I think so, too. <laughs> All right, hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks. Well, hey, we are so proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates, offers elite self-defense and uh, concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors and provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Learn more about them at National Concealed Carry Association. Dot com. Well, Mike, who have you got for a guest? Well, we have a, a very special guest. Uh, you know, I guess it was a couple months ago now, one of our board members uh, called me up and said, hey, they're having this event, um, and I don't know much about it, but uh, they're calling it, a, 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 I think it was called a Freedom Market, and uh, I think we should probably see if we could have a booth there. So we set up a booth at, uh, at, the, at their event, and it was gangbusters. The event was very, very cool. Um, we got a lot of interest. A lot of people that attended loved San Diego County gun owners. So we started looking into this a little bit more to see exactly what was going on here and found out that there were two fantastic ladies who organized this event, and one of them is on with us today, Amy Reichardt. How are you, Amy? Good. Thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. So tell us about tell us about your it's the Freedom Markets, right? Is that what they were called, Freedom Market? Yeah, so the Freedom Market is actually part of Reopen San Diego. And Reopen San Diego is a group of San Diegans who are nonpartisan. We come from all walks of life, and we're pro-freedom. And we are against these extended unconstitutional lockdowns. So our Freedom Market 
was one way that we could support small businesses and have a day where kids could run around. There was music, there was dancing, and there was lots of freedom. I was so glad you guys were there. That's awesome. So how did you get involved with Reopen San Diego? Wow. Well, we just started off meeting at Liberty Station initially, and we were just a group of moms and dads who had kids who had been trapped in front of screens for months, hadn't even played with other kids. So we created this safe community. We're about as grassroots as it gets. And as we continued to meet, we knew we had to do something. We knew that we had to stand up to these lockdowns and our schools being lockdowns and our businesses being lockdowns. And that's when we started having events and rallies like the Freedom Market. And we even had an All I Want for Christmas is Freedom rally in El Cajon, and we had a 1,000 people there. Wow, that's very cool. Now, what's, what's the goal? What, what, were your, what, what are you accomplishing by, by doing this? Because I think it's, it's wonderful. And we, unfortunately, I couldn't make it. We were on the air both, both times. But the folks that we sent said it was just great to be around other like-minded people. It was great to, uh, you, you know, be, be in, an, in, a, in an environment like it was a year ago before all these weird lockdowns. Um, so what's the goal? What were you hoping to accomplish? Exactly what you just said. You know, there's just this need for people to be human again, to be in community, and also just express to the government that it's time to open up. Florida has been open since September. Texas opened up two weeks ago, 100%. And, well, we know the results. Cases are going down. So why is San Diego County one of the most locked-down counties in the entire United States? Why are California kids 50th out of 50 to go back to school? Is the science different here? No, it's not. And and you weren't shy about this whole thing. You had live video going on on your Facebook page. You were very vocal. Um, you you went. I saw you on KUSI a number of times. I'm not sure if, if other uh, news outlets uh, picked you up, but man, you stuck yourself way out there. It would, you know, what what did that take for you to do that? I mean, is that uh, is that was that natural or was that hard? I mean, you were really, really vocal. You know, I have to say, so it's actually something that's very personal to me. I live in La Mesa now, and I actually have grown up in San Diego since 1972. And over the summer, you probably recall, we had the riots. Yeah. And the riots were two miles from where I live now. And I remember going out there the next day and standing in the middle of three buildings that were still burning. And over the course of the next week, we had the National Guard come. We were under curfew here in La Mesa every night at 630. We had helicopters 24-7 beating over our head. And it just, it was then, it was then that I realized, you know, it's time. It's time to start speaking out against these lockdowns this is ridiculous and how's it been you know when you put yourself out there like that and you are a uh, a leader and especially when when it's something uh, fairly controversial uh, how has it been for you to to you know to be vocal and to be kind of a, a public figure now well i would have to say that 2020 was probably the best <laughs> and the worst when i talk about that because in many ways, I've met incredible people and incredible organizations like you guys, 
And on the other hand, I've been called every name in the book, just like you guys. Mm-hmm. You get thrown everything and just. I do. I, I get, I get, it. it's just constant, constant name calling. Handsome, yeah. uh, you know, adorable, <laughs> Cute. Um, you know, really, really great. And, you know, at some point I just got to go, look, I'm, I'm human like the rest of you. you know? <laughs> Well, I'm so. I, I don't mean to. Nice. It's more like they call me Q supporter, and yeah. they call me dangerous for wanting to reopen San Diego. And well, well and you I, know what? It's worth it. It's worth it. I don't mean to make light of it. I, I, it's it, it's yes, horrible. Did. It, I did. I meant to make light of it, but I, I <laughs> certainly don't mean to marginalize. It, it's horrible when you have a bunch of strangers calling you horrible names. I hope you don't mind me telling this, but you and I were talking yesterday, and you you said it. it I, I, it made me laugh. You said that uh, they were calling you, someone called you a Nazi. And you said, you know, I'm yeah. going to have to go back and tell the rabbi who bot mitzvahed me <laughs> when I was 13. And I thought that was hilarious. Yes. I, and also my 78-year-old Jewish mother was yeah. very shocked. Yeah. <laughs> to find out that you were. Well, so yeah. what's the future look like? Well, we actually have a couple events coming up. On the human side, the the need to be human we're actually going to be having a comedy night, and it's going to be at the Bay Bridge Brewing, and that's in Chula Vista. And my good friends Jim and Sue Shirey, they own that that brewing company. And, of course, they've been hit so hard, mm-hmm. right, all these shutdowns. And so they're actually going to have a group of professional comedians that are going to come, and we're going to have a night of comedy and you can find out more about that at reopensd.org and you can just go to our events page for that but on the other hand not only are we going to be supporting small businesses and professional comedians and bringing laughter back but on tuesday april 6th we're going to be having a protest at the county board of supervisors because and you're not going to believe this Right now, San Diego County, you cannot actually go in person to a county board of supervisors meeting, but you can in Orange County, you can in San Bernardino, and you can in Riverside. So again, we're just asking, is the science different in San Diego County? I was going to say, Amy, you have to understand that science is very, very different county to county. Right. Yes. Hey, by the way, Amy, you need a celebrity comedian. I know a guy. His name is Mr. Oh, Schwartz. <laughs> Michael Schwartz will stand up and they'll have the place in stitches. So I you know, highly recommend you know what it. I, if, if, it's called, if it's called a night of comedy, I should show up you in should, like a suit of armor you should. and be the night of comedy. I think you should. That'd be awesome. <laughs> He's got some. <laughs> I just thought of that. Hey. And, and, right, so, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, the other thing too, stay real close to KUSI because that is one of the best outlets to to the community out of all the TV stations in San Diego, just so you'll know. They've been so good to us. But you know what's even more surprising? Actually, we have gotten positive press from every single station. Wow. 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 That's awesome. I, I saw you on KUSI. So so local what? ABC, NBC, CBS, 810, Fox? 810-39, Fox, EW6. Wow. All those guys. Even Telemundo, yo hablo espanol. Ah, ocho nueve. <laughs> so Telemundo. By the way, I've had wonderful experience with Telemundo. They, 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 they. they I think they're an. They're one of the last few actual 
journalistic outlets, I believe. I, I think. I can't understand everything they're saying, unfortunately, but they seem to cover us really, really well. I'm, they, they love us. But that's really good to hear that media is covering you so well. What about uh, elected officials? Has anybody reached out to you and said, hey, you know what? You guys picked up the, the, uh, you know, the torch and, and we want to help you run with it. Or stop it. Yeah, or stop it. Is it either from either side? Well, I have to say that when we first started Reopen San Diego, my biggest skeptic was my 78-year-old Jewish mother. She just thought reopening San Diego was fringe. You know, it just she just couldn't believe it. And then we actually had people like Mayor Bill Wells of El Cajon. Good dude. He actually said, I want to speak. And we had Supervisor Jim Desmond and State Senator Brian Jones and Congressman Daryl Issa. We've had like the he showed up. Now, did he show up or did he like zoom from his yacht? No, he totally was there for all I want for Christmas is freedom. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Well, that's really good. So, has anybody, you know, has anybody approached you negatively? Has, has anybody reached out and from said, the, from politicians? Yeah. Uh, I would say no, no. Wow. Um, we got Kevin Faulkner to speak at our last rally, and Marco Contreras, who's running for the 79th. I support him. By the way, I live in the 79th. Um, I'm hearing a, I'm hearing a lot of good things about Marco. I'm hearing a lot yeah. of good things about Marco. Yeah. So no, we, no. Um, you know, I I honestly wish. Um, you know, we're not we're nonpartisan, mm-hmm. but it does seem that the the people, the elected officials that are willing to speak and help us out are Republicans. So I invite, right. I invite freedom lovers from the Democratic Party who represent us here in San Diego to join us and do the right thing to reopen San Diego, 100%. Invite Nathan Fletcher and let us know how that goes. <laughs> I, I'm your backup comedian. Hey, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you what, Amy. Come on, Nathan, talk to us. There you go. I'm, I'm telling you. Amy, stick stick with us. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to do a commercial. But when we come back, we're going to talk to you some more uh, because this is a very ex- uh, interesting and exciting conversation. Folks, stay with us. This is FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Ah. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, <laughs> FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. We're having more fun off air than on air, but that's okay. <laughs> Tune in. Lead Slingers has really been helping out with the show this year. First with the Cover Your Ass Week sponsorship, and now they're sponsoring the Magnum interview with Seth Yon. Lead Slingers Whiskey is produced by seven combat veterans from the U.S. Army Rangers, U.S. Air Force, TACP, uh, Special Forces, and Paratrooper Community. Their love for America and fine whiskey is what the company is all about. Next time you want to enjoy a sip of whiskey, ask for Lead Slingers. Now, continued from uh, our last segment. Actually, before we go to we before we go back to Amy, you're going to interrupt her. Well, no, no Joe's got some shout outs. Oh, yeah, some shout outs, some, yeah, some YouTubers. Yeah. We just spent the whole break <laughs> talking about this, and I just blow right by it. Hey, it's okay. not on my schedule. You're right. Short term memory. Well, right. if you do it before you get to Amy, it's not technically an interruption. That's right. right. That's so. true. 
So, yeah, we have a shout-out to our YouTube fans, to T. Capo, Dr. Exotic, and Ghost Hammer. And then a special shout-out to Rick Cohen, uh, also on YouTube, who has uh, been a very active uh, tabletop volunteer for us. So uh, those are the shout-outs. There you go. All right. So speaking of tabletops, we're talking to Amy from uh, uh, Reopen San Diego. And, Joe, what did you say when we were at a break? That's right, in the break, the, the, uh, the really fun part of the show. No, we were just talking about the, uh, the tabletops at the uh, Freedom Market. And uh, my neighbor, Jeff Allen, has been working those tabletops pretty much every week and just uh, enjoying the heck out of them. And they've been very lucrative in terms of signing up people um, for the uh, San Diego County gun owners. So uh, a lot of the people that go to the market are very, uh, very enthusiastic about us. So it's been a really good thing. There you go, Amy. Yeah, can't thank you enough, Amy, oh. for doing that. You and your, you, you, I know you have thank a, you. I know there's a whole bunch of people behind you uh, working hard and helping, uh, but in particular, there's uh, your partner, Allie, is with you a lot too, right? That's right. Yeah, she's the co founder of Reopen San Diego. That's very cool. Do you mind my asking, what do you do for a living? So I'm actually a licensed private investigator in the state of California. I've had my license since 1999. Wow. But, Right now, I actually work in marketing, of all things, but I keep that license because I worked so hard for it, and I get calls all the time. Hey, Amy, can you do me a PI favor? <laughs> so it comes in handy. I'm just curious. Do you mind me asking uh, uh, I, if, this, if any of this is too personal? You don't want to talk about your personal life. I totally understand. But how did you get into being a private investigator? Oh, my gosh. Oh, thank you for asking. Actually, I was adopted when I was a baby. And then when I was two years old, uh, my mom, who adopted me and who I consider my mom, got a letter by mistake from the attorney handling the adoption, which had the name of my biological mother. I was born in Pennsylvania, and that information is never supposed to be available. So my mom actually gave me her name when I was 25. Hmm. Well, that was uh, the early 90s, and there was no such thing as Google. Hmm. So I actually started looking for her using skip trace methods, which means searching through public records. And I found her and I thought, you know, I actually enjoyed the whole process of <laughs> finding her. I think I'd like to parlay this into some kind of career. Wow. And that's how I became a PI. That's pretty interesting. I thought for sure you were listening to Johnny Dollar on uh, XM radio, I, you know, classic radios. I thought for sure. <laughs> Let me. I have, I have an important PI question for you. Yeah. More accurate show, Magnum PI or Simon and Simon? This oh is going to settle God. a lot of arguments. So <laughs> take take your time if you need to. You no, know, you know Simon and Simon that was set in San Diego, yep. and I do remember both shows. But I think it was really Charlie's Angels. So <laughs> <laughs> Touche. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. So one of the, speaking of events, back Sandy, to work. Yeah, <laughs> San Diego County Gun Owners. We have our fair share of events as well. And you joined us at one of our events yesterday, which was very, very That's cool. Mm -hmm. So we we have a uh, program called Not Me SD. Uh, and Melissa, our lovely Melissa here, yeah. uh, was there uh, mentoring. Not, Not Me SD is a program. We've talked about it a lot. But it's uh, women who uh, want to own a firearm, get training on their firearm, and get a CCW we pair them up with with uh, women who are trained to help them get those resources, walk them through the whole process. It's not just words on a website or a pamphlet. 
Um, it's uh, Women Helping Women. It's a program for women, by women, designed by women. It's really, really fantastic. So yesterday we had a shooting social for the Not Me SD folks, and you joined us there. What did you think? I thought it was great. So despite being a licensed PI and wanting to live that Charlie's Angels lifestyle, I am definitely a rookie when it comes to guns. So the last time I actually shot at a gun range was probably about 15 years ago. So it was an amazing experience. Melissa was a, like the best trainer ever. And uh, I was told that I had a very nice grouping. So wow. there. She had an amazing grouping. Yeah. She, it blew everybody out of the water. What was I'm she, sorry to say. What was she using? She was actually, I had two firearms for her to try. And... Um, I had my MMP Shield 9 and then my CZ SPO1, which is my competition gun, and it had a red dot on it. Um, however, when I saw her reaction, uh, she was she jumped a little bit at the, the sound of the gunshot at, at first. And so I was like, okay, so knowing that the MMP Shield 9 is um, snappy, I wanted to give her something a little easier to learn on so I, um, to make it easier for her to acclimate to shooting. So we used that gun, and she did phenomenal. She listened really well, and uh, when I told her to slow down for the trigger pull, she did, and she had tangible results. That's awesome. I think we had, what, what, what do we have there? We had eight women, students, was it eight or ten, something like that? Something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and they all got their own mentor. Yep. And uh, one of our members who is really active in, in uh, Not Me, Wendy Clark, supplied all the ammo. Yes, which thank was very you, Wendy. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, how did your partner like it? How, did, did Allie have a good time? Allie is definitely more experienced than I am. So she goes to a gun range on a regular basis, and she loved it. She loved the energy. She loved the whole event. And we were so grateful to you guys. And, Melissa, you're just amazing, just the best trainer ever. Oh, thank, thank you for you. putting me at ease. And did you take the um, target home and show your husband? Was he proud of you? Oh my gosh, you bet. I'm like, look, honey, check this out. And Don't mess course, with me. On Facebook. Hello. It's a warning. You hey, Amy, hang put, it in the front window. Yeah, hang in the front window and say, this house is protected by, yeah. and they'll see that grouping and they will stay away from your house. <laughs> That's right. You did so good, though. You did really, Aww. really well. And, and I loved the confidence that you had afterwards. She was doing one of those. Yeah, you know those one of those things afterwards. The fist pump. The fist yep, pump. Yep. She was just she was jazzed. Was she spinning her pistol, throwing it in the holster backwards? No, <laughs> oh, okay. no, no, no. Just double checking. <laughs> just well, never know. Well, that's cool. I'm glad you liked it. Those are uh, uh, we've just we've only had a couple of uh, we've had a bunch of shooting socials. So shooting socials are uh, where we take uh, you know relatively inexperienced gun uh, or you know people that maybe have never even touched a gun before, and we pair them up with experienced mentors and we. Give them a first-time shooting experience. We've had thousands of people go through that program now, um, and everybody likes it. We, everybody's had a great time, but this one was specific to Not Me SD. I think we only had a couple that were yep. specific to Not Me SD. So, mm-hmm. in in celebration, we uh, we how were the donuts? Did you have any of the donuts, Amy? I passed on the donuts. Yeah, we had a lot of I'm leftover donuts. That was your idea, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, well, that's very very cool. That's awesome. Our, uh, so what do you think? Are you gonna are you gonna get more into uh, being a gun owner? Is that it? Did it do anything for you, or what are your thoughts on that? Definitely raised my confidence level. You know, a little side note. Uh, I actually considered taking a firearms training back when I got my license 
as a private investigator, but the state just makes it so difficult. They, they want to have, at least back then, when I first got my license, you had to have a $1 million bond if you were going to be licensed as a private investigator. And I'm like, ah, I think I'm going to take a hard pass on that. So it was really good to actually get the training yesterday, long overdue, and I'm so grateful for it. And I'm definitely going to check it out again. That's awesome. Well, if you need help with getting a CCW, we can do that. I I didn't know that if you had to be if you wanted to be licensed and armed as a PI that you have to go through a bunch of hoops and stuff. I, I thought you could. I think. You, I don't know. Where do you think you live? I'm say you're, you're surprised. Hello. <laughs> well, I just like why would you? I think I think you can just get a CCW. But I don't know. maybe uh, I'm wrong. Now, so yeah. you need a firearms permit. And then you also needed to carry uh, insurance right. as well. I'm, I'm fascinated that you're a PI, by the way. Okay, so what's a really interesting PI <laughs> oh, story? Oh, goodness, here I know, it we're comes. going way off script. What's like a really interesting PI story? Do you have do you have one that you can tell? Oh, I, I definitely have a few. <laughs> uh, even some more. Uh, I even have one involving an ex-Charger player. Oh. Stories. We have like two. What's a two-minute story you can tell? Oh my gosh! Well, I you remember. You know, there was there were times when I got to do mystery shopping. There were times when I would go undercover and follow cheating spouses. There were people that I would follow who were committing obvious workers' compensation fraud cool. and and videotape them, and I would wind up having to testify in court. So many gratifying stories, finding long-lost loved ones. One quick story was a gal who, when she was nine years old, she was in a small airplane crash. Hmm. Uh, Her brother was in the airplane, and her two parents were actually there. They both uh, tragically passed away. Hmm. And she was actually adopted. And so later on in life, after being raised by her grandmother, she actually asked me to to find her biological father. She had already found her biological mother, and she had very little information, and she had a very, very common name, but I cracked the case. And the, the beautiful thing about having cases like that is when you get to see the reunion and you get to see the relationship that comes out of that. And I think that was probably the most rewarding part about being That's a awesome. You know what? She's got the lingo. She cracked the case. Cracked the case. You know, and if you <laughs> if you see Amy Amy's such a she's such a, a lovely lady, I, I don't even you, I could imagine that you wouldn't you wouldn't stick out as a PI, you know? Like uh They're not supposed like, like to Joe like if Joe is a uh, private investigator, people He like, looks like a PI. Yeah, he looks like yeah. a PI. Look more like Canon, right? <laughs> <laughs> knock on people's doors and i would just ask a bunch of questions and they would just tell me it was great i never had to say hi this is amy reichert private investigator licensed 21006 here to ask you questions yeah. i would just ask people questions and because i didn't look like a pi they tell me and don't forget thank that you, up against the wall that's the best part amy thank you very much for taking time out of your sunday i have a sneaky feeling we will have you we'll have you back on all right, folks. Aww, thank you. All right, you stay right there. And after the break, we're going to be talking with Layla Aziz on the Anti Racism Sentencing Reform Act. 
on FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170, The Answer. Clean, lube, and protect your gun faster and easier with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is an all-in-one solution that cleans, lubricates, and protects your gun. It's also natural, non-toxic, and environmentally friendly. Thank you, Seal One, for sponsoring Cover Your Ask Week. It was a total success. And to help making it an outstanding success, both. Hey, if you're tired of smelling like a gas station after cleaning your gun, try Seal One. Pick some up with Gunfighter Tactical or ask for it by name at your local shop. Clean your guns faster and better with Seal One. Use the code GOR25 for a 25% discount off your first order on their website, SealOne.net. All right, who's our next call in? So a bill has been introduced. It's, it's AB1509, AB1509. It's the Anti-Racism Sentencing Reform Act. And it has to do with 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 gun owners, frankly. And uh, I, you know, I read the bill. Um, CRPA came out against the bill already. Um, Who's CRPA? California Rifle and Pistol Association. Thank you very much. Uh, I think they might be wrong on this one. So I wanted to get somebody to come and talk about AB fifteen oh nine and get get some more details on it. So I've invited Layla Aziz. Layla, are you there? I am here and glad to be here. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. It's so nice to hear your voice. How are you, Layla? I've been doing well. It's nice outside. Good, good, good. Okay, so uh, let's talk about, first off, t- who are, w- tell people who you are and what you do. My name is Layla Aziz, and I am an organizer. I'm the director of a nonprofit, Pillars of the Community, where we organize um, against the criminalization of people in our community. We exclusively work in Southeast San Diego. Mm. And what does that mean? Like, what, is, what, do you actu- what, 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 what actual activities does, does that encompass? We look at um, the criminal justice system and an explosion in our prison industrial complex in California to the point where it almost bankrupt the state. And we looked at how we got there. And we started looking at things such as gang documentation, gun enhancements, and things of that nature, and how they had become institutionalized within our community to only charge specific people with those things. Now, what does that mean, only charge specific people? Well, a gang is a group of three people who um, have a color that's the same, and they have in their area committed three crimes, such as selling drugs. And so when we look at that and we look at the crime data, La Jolla really comes out pretty high for that because of the surf clubs, but there's no gang documentation there. And you saw that with the Bird Rock gang. So with that gang documentation, there's an assortment of other things. You don't have to be convicted of a crime, and you can be deported. So the yes, Bird Rock the gang, gang the Bird Rock oh, yeah, gang, which La is which is a, in La Jolla, which is a known uh, uh, drug dealing gang, it fits all the definitions of a gang. Um, yeah. Isn't being they don't use uh, anti gang uh, charges against them like they would in other areas of San Diego. Am I? Am I? I don't want to put word. Is that is that kind of the gist of it? You are correct. The same with the skinheads and, and the lakeside gangsters and other organizations, too. And I, I think that it's safe to, to assert or, or, or it's safe to assume, and, and your assertion is that, hey, these are, you know, the skinheads in Lakeside and the Bird Rock gang in, in La Jolla are predominantly white, whereas, uh, you know, other gangs in, in, in southeast uh, San Diego 
are uh, black or Hispanic, I'm assuming. Don't let me. I'm I'm trying to understand. So don't let me say something in, inaccurate. Um, mm-hmm. But they're black or Hispanic, and they're using these laws. They're using anti-gang laws against black and Hispanic gangs. But when it comes to white gangs, it, no, nowhere near to the degree. Am I am I stating that correctly? Yes, and the repercussions are astounding because what it's doing is it's, it's criminalizing young boys for doing young boy things, not these huge professional murderous gang members. So you have young kids who are on their way to college who there's a fist fight at a party, the same as at a frat party, who are given all of these gang enhancements on top of that because they've been identified as a gang member simply because of where they grew up. Mm. Okay, so that leads us to AB 1509. Tell us what yes. AB 1509 is. AB 1509 is looking at gun enhancements strictly, and gun enhancements are some of the most astronomical enhancements that we have in California as far as years. For a gun enhancement, if you get caught committing a crime with a gun, you get 10 years just for having it in your pocket. It could be broken. It could be a toy gun. But if you have a gun and a crime is committed, that's 10 years on top of the underlying felony, which is normally less than 10 years. If you shoot the gun in the air, that's, 50, that's 20, excuse me. And if someone gets hit with it, whether it's their pinky toe or they die, that's 25 to life. There's no difference. And so what happened is the bigger sentences, the 25 to life, normally if a person is murdered, we have murder, which is 25 to life. So that handles the 25 to life. The biggest impact are the, the young people who are going, and even older people, but mostly young people, who commit an underlying felony, burglary, burglary, robbery, beer runs we've seen, um, and that gun enhancement is charged simply because they had possession of a gun, never pulled out the gun, but on top of a burglary, which is two years, they're going to get 10 years, and you have 12 years in prison. And so, so basically, if you are if you have a gun and you're committing a crime, then... Um, uh, you're gonna. It, it, they treat it much more seriously. The sentencing is is uh, life alter, all alteringly uh, uh, harsh. Uh, you know, it's not just like, well, gee, you're gonna have to pay an extra thousand dollars in a fine. You're talking about decades right. in jail. Um, and I, I think there's, you know, I'm I'm struggling with this a little bit. Um, Talk to me. There's two. I think there's two ways to look at it. I, you know, what I do for a living. Um, you yeah. know how seriously I take guns. Um, yeah, it's an enor- it's a right, and it's an enormous responsibility. And part of me thinks, okay, uh, this is so important that if you decide that you're going to commit a crime with a gun, I want you punished harshly. Now, the other side of me is is looking at this, going, you know what? In a very real way, they're targeting gun owners. You know, and you can say, well, gee, Mike, there are illegal guns, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, I get you. But they're still sending the message that, hey, um, you know, these guns, if you own a gun, you know, you're, uh, you know, somehow more dangerous. You're somehow, you know, if you have a gun on you, you're more, uh, you're, you're more of a threat. You know, these guns are, it, it sends the message that, that, that we see, that we fight back against so much that, you know, guns are, are you know, in and of themselves evil. So I guess the tough question, Layla, is, you know, why why would gun, why should gun owners look at this bill and say, hey, this is important as as an activist, as a gun activist, it's important mm-hmm. that you support this bill. What what what's what, how should we look at it, and what, and why should we be against or for the bill? Okay, one way, um, and this is why it has the racial justice component to it, 
is that the district attorneys only choose to use that gang that gun enhancement, excuse me, just like the gang enhancement on certain people. So the district attorney has the, the power to when these cases come to say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to charge the gun enhancement. Mm-hmm. And they tend to charge black and brown people with the gun enhancement more um, the same way with the gang enhancement. So it's institutionalized racism within the court system on who's actually getting these, regardless of who's actually doing it. And so that's why we have that disparity there. Another issue, and this has nothing so, to do with so just, people just, I, And I don't mean to uh, interrupt, Layla, I'm so sorry, but just to recap that, you're, you're basically saying, hey, look, however you feel about criminals, however you feel about gun laws, uh, this it, it statistically is clearly being um, used against people of color disproportionately. So because of that abuse, anyone should should be against it. Is, is that is that kind of summer up, summarize up what yes, you're doing? It's, okay. it's injustice. A district okay. attorney, should, and it's astronomical for a person to have six times the time in prison that they would because a gun is there. Another issue is that our community is heavily policed. And in our community, they take kids to juvenile hall for things like truancy and things of that nature or stealing candy, which I believe a parent should be called. And that kid should probably have to work there for a month. And there's other ways of dealing with that regardless. I'm not into the, the state system component of that. I'm mm-hmm. into parenting. And so when you have an issue, there's other ways you do it. We don't get that chance because the police don't bring your child home. They take them to juvenile hall and they call you later. They, if they see your kid doing something, they think they're going down the wrong path. They just keep investigating your kid until they can document them as a gang member. And that might take them two, three years. They never tell the parents. So we're looked at as being, um, and that's why we have a lot of issues that are going on, because it's looked at as our children should be ready for that prison pipeline, and let's do what we can do. If you go to juvenile hall, they will give you a gun. Um, they'll, they'll give you a stipulation that you cannot own a gun legally until you're 30 years old. So you start off um, as a kid doing kid things with your gun rights being taken away as a juvenile. Hmm. Wow. Jo- Joe's, Joe's got a question for you, Layla. Yeah, I- sure. Yeah, hey, Layla, I'd like to go back to just a few minutes ago. You were saying that the uh, district attorneys tend to apply those things, those laws, uh, those enhancements um, unevenly. And I know I, I've heard that, that kind of accusation about police, and I know it's not true of the police, but where can we go to find um, that information about how district attorneys apply that stuff? Because I don't, you know, I think they're given that latitude so that they, they have that discretion. They can apply it if they think it's serious. They cannot apply it if not. But where can we find that information right. to, to kind of nail that down? What we do at Pillars is we do something called a California Public Records Request Act, and we um, run them on the district attorney and the courts. And what we do is we compare data. Um, we compare who is – and right now we're pretty much knee in, knee up, up to our ears, really, in the gang enhancements. So we have every person who's had a gang enhancement, but we're seeing the gun enhancement in there because this is something else that, that's – it doesn't make sense to me. There's something called personal use of a firearm. That means I had a gun. I shot the gun. It's my fault. I did it. Hey, Layla, can, can, can you? Sure, we, yeah. we only had you on for one sec. Can you hold and, and come with us to the next segment? I can. Okay, hold, I can. St- stay there. That's awesome. All right, folks, so stick around the next hour right here on FM 961, AM 1170. The answer.
Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. If you have taken training, then you know you should have the coverage for legal battles after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Hey, and guess what, Gun Owner Radio listeners? You can get a free T-shirt when you join. Just use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO at uslawshield.com. And if you're watching us on YouTube, please hit the like button and subscribe button as well, and tell as many friends as you can. Okay, so we're talking with Layla Aziz about the uh, bill AB-1509, Anti-Racism Sentencing Reform Act. And it seems to be basically it in, it in, it uh, removes enhancements for people who uh, have a gun during the commission of a, of a crime, meaning that if you have a gun during the commission of a crime, you go to jail for a really, really long time rather than just a long time. Um, and, you know, I hear from people all the time that uh, – Especially on our in, in our world, in our Second Amendment world, I hear from people who say, "Hey, uh, hate crimes." You know that doesn't make any sense to me. You know it's either a crime or it's not a crime. You know uh, why should why should their you know their uh, their opinion or whatever their their motive you know why should that make it worse? And it kind of feels the same way that hey, if this person is a gun owner and they are committing a crime. Now, if they're committing a gun crime that's already happening, like, hey, you know, you're carrying concealed and you don't have a license, that, that's a penalty we all have to deal with. Um, you know, okay, fine. But just the act of basically, if you, there's a, a way to look at this, the act of being a gun owner, you know, now puts you in jail for an additional 10 years. I'm not, I'm not saying it's an exact uh, correlation with, you know, hate crimes, but I think that there's philosophically a similarity there. Um, and and I'm tr- but I'm trying to I'm trying to gain a better understanding. So Layla, you you were saying that you guys do you, you have you've done studies. Joe wants to know do you publish the studies that you do where you talk about the DAs not you know are using this against people uh, uh, people of color more than they do uh, uh, white people? Do you guys publish that? Well, it's it's everywhere. We give it to stakeholders, legislatures. Um, we do campaigns around that. We do actually have a sociologist who's going to publish an academic study on gang laws. But what I really wanted to say is the law right now states this, Michael, you and I go somewhere. We're friends. We're both headed to college. We're young. We're 18 years old. We're from southeast San Diego. We don't know we're documented as a gang member because neither of us have been in trouble, but we are. There's a group of other friends with us. We're at a party and a group of guys who we don't like. A fist fight breaks out. Michael, you're just fighting, and you know what? You shouldn't have fought. That was bad, Michael. Your parents could talk to you about that later. I choose, as an idiot, because I got beat up, to shoot the person I was fighting. And that person dies. Only if you're documented as a gang member with our gun laws can they give you 25 to life, Michael, and you never had a gun. And they're going to give you a personal discharge of a firearm. 
they're going to give you by law saying you shot that gun. And anyone else with me, they want to do that too. That's how this works, and it can work with no one else but documented gang members. And that's how we're losing kids on their way to Morehouse, on their way to UCLA. They're gone forever because someone did something, and the racism, the institutional racism that documented that kid took his life. And he never shot anyone. Well, so the institutional racism. Did, did you read? You read the article that I, I just I just published on on or we just put I up. Did. on what, what what were your thoughts on that? I really like this, and and I'm I'm one of those people that I believe that gun control leads to the madness because the guns that are being found illegally are mostly illegal guns. I believe in education. I believe that when you teach a person responsibility, that takes it to another level. When I took martial arts and you start getting higher and higher in your skill level, and you realize that your hands are now considered deadly weapons, and you have a mentor there who is teaching you those things, it becomes more serious. Your self-esteem, your confidence, all of those things are different. But when we're running from guns, we're not teaching our kids in our community about guns. We don't even let them play with toy guns because we're so afraid. Then it's some guy, Joe Schmo, down the hill who hates his life and gives your kid a gun and tells him to go do something crazy. We can't run from a problem. We need to teach our kids responsible gun ownership it, so that we don't have those issues. It's frankly, you know, the whole point of the article that I wrote, it's, it basically the, the article is uh, gun laws. It's the institutional racism that you've heard so much about. And, we, you know, institutional racism, the term I point out in the article has been around for decades. Um, but really, right. it's only about the last year or so that people have started to use it, to use it and learn about it. <clears throat> and honestly, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, which means I'm blessed in that I get to actually think about things in a critical right. manner <laughs> and don't just, you know, don't just, go with the flow. Yeah. So, I mean, the reality is if you're a Republican and you hear institutional racism, you go, that's crap. You know, it's not it's not real. You know, oh, my God, that's so stupid. And if you're a Democrat, your entire political philosophy is built on institutional racism. Mm -hmm. And I feel like neither side is actually taking the time to figure out what, what they're even talking about. Who authored that law? Do you know? What what law? The oh, that's a great. I know that, too. You just caught me off guard. Ah! Who authored? <laughs> Hold a AB 1509? No, 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 no. The law yeah. that, that they, they – well, it's not really a law. I guess it's more of a personal – The enhancement? Enhancement as per the judge, but – well, that, that law, it's been around for, Layla, it's been around for, for a long time, right? The, in, gang and the judges didn't have discretion on, on waiving that until two years ago. Right. With um, Dr. Shirley Weber with AB620 introduced that for years. Judges couldn't touch it. It was a DA charged it, and that's what it was. Wow. Well, so and anyone who's in prison from two years before then, there was no choice, and it's not retroactive. And, and you know, Layla, you, you and I are friends. Uh, you know, I've, you, you're a gun owner. You're a legal gun owner. You're a responsible yeah. gun owner. Um, we've yeah. even talked about. I, I still got to take your boys to the range and teach them uh, uh, how to how to how to use a gun. Um, yeah. I, I know we talked about that, but you know, one thing I, I've truly truly learned uh, by you know you and our friends on Facebook, and we we talk you know every every now and then. One thing I've truly learned from you is that there is a different community out there than than what than the community that I live in and the community I was brought up in. Uh, when I'm on your Facebook page, uh, you post videos regularly of interaction with uh, with police, and right. you know, I, you know, it, it, I don't have interactions with cops. Now I know the knee jerk reaction of every Republican out there is, "Well, Mike, you don't break the law." Okay, you know, I, I try not to break the law, um, you know, but uh, you're you're missing the point. There's a whole story there. 
and it's something I've learned from from following Layla and seeing the work that you do. All these people aren't necessarily breaking the the law. Now, do I think that cops are racist? I don't think cops are racist. I think cops are human beings, and that human beings are right. are are flawed. You know, no right. kidding. And they come to every job and every situation with their own biases and that sort of thing. So I, I don't know. I'm still, you know, I, I I think that there is, you know, the concept that institutional racism describes, I think, is a real situation. The degree, right. I don't know. I think the degree is up for debate, but I think it's a worthy uh, endeavor. You know, I think it's worthy. I'm going to say this. I, I agree. If you could just let me say this, sure. um, Michael, I think this is important. When, when, when something happens in my community, the first thing that's policy institutionalized with the police department is whoever's involved in that to pull over every single person that looks like that person. They do that because they're saying, we know it's a black gang who's having an issue. So we want to protect lives. This is a police officer. So we're going to pull over. This is where the institutional racism comes in. We're going to pull over every single black male from the ages of 18 to 30. And we're going to search that car. We're going to figure out how to search it legally or illegally. And that's what we're dealing with right now. And that's my issue when I tell the cops, you cannot violate people's constitutional rights and pull people over based on their skin color and search their car and break the Fourth Amendment based on their skin color. And then tell me, well, Layla, we got eight guns. You pulled over 100 cars for eight guns. Yeah. But what about that 92 people you just destroyed and just treated like trash? Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you talking about the bill. I and, and truly appreciate your perspective. And keep us up to date on how that bill goes, and we'll definitely have you back. Thank you so much. Thanks, All right, Thanks. Hey, folks, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Melissa's got a jewelry for firearm enthusiasts right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Okay, folks. Hey, primerez.com slash alpine. Why is that important? Check it out. Hey, are you military? Are you looking for help with a VA loan? And if you're looking to buy or refi, or if you're just considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris a call at 619-722-1303 or primeres.com slash alpine. All right. I guess her new name is Lovely Melissa. As per Lovely Melissa. That's new. That's from Mike. That's what he called you earlier. Oh, that's that's so nice of you, Mike. I know. Thank you. I'm a sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> so um, first, we're picking a winner for Chameleon Gears um, Smith & Wesson um, uh, review that I did two weeks ago. Um, we're giving away a Smith & Wesson leather wallet. Um, so the winner is... Brand Dave Stahl. <laughs> Rick Danzi. Congratulations. No, 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 no. That's not Dave Stahl. You wish. I know, Rick. Congratulations, <laughs> Rick. So if you'd still like to get something from Chameleon Bags, just uh, use code GOR for 10% off any style bag at chameleonbags.com. So today I have 
a very special guest with me. Um, he's all over Instagram, all over Facebook, and he is pushing out some beautiful 2A jewelry, firearms-related jewelry. Um, his name is Joe Wall. Are you there, Joe? I'm here, Melissa. Hi. Thank you for joining Hi, me. Hi, how are you? Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for setting this up. Yeah, so... Um, tell me, you have an interesting story about firearms and how you got into it. Can you tell us about that? Sure thing. I'd love to. Uh, so I've been in firearms uh, pretty much since I got out of college. Uh, about a dozen years ago or so, I, got, I graduated with my engineering degree from George Washington University in D.C., and I found myself looking for a job just like anyone else. And at the time, I, my dad had a really good friend that worked at Marlin Firearms back in Connecticut, which was pretty close to where I grew up. And they knew that they were hiring engineers at the time. So he encouraged me to apply. I went in, I applied and got the job, and I started my career there. And it's been a really wild ride ever since. So I, I started off my early career in the, in the R&D department there, uh, designing and, and working on a new lever gun and bolt action uh, rifle programs with them uh, for, for a few years before uh, Remington came in and, and bought out Marlin and, and shuffled, things out, shuffled things around a little bit. Uh, so I worked with, with Remington for several years uh, designing new rifles and pistol programs, and I got to work on a lot of really cool uh, programs and projects with them over the years. Uh, and when I was living in Kentucky, I got to got to meet my my amazing wife, Kristen, who encouraged me to start this this uh, business that that we started here. Uh, and then we, after a few years there, uh, Remington had decided to to move their operations to Huntsville, Alabama, and that that really wasn't a move that was in the cards for us. And an opportunity came up for us to to move to South Florida. Um, so after a few years with you know working in Kentucky, I. I moved down to South Florida with, with Kristen and uh, started my career or uh, extended my career with, with Taurus Firearms in, in Miami uh, doing design work with them. I uh, spent a few years there and uh, became their production engineering manager and was, was leading the designing of the, uh, the new assembly lines and, and manufacturing of parts and implementing new uh, Lean Six Sigma projects with, uh, with Taurus. Uh, before their uh, their factory ended up moving to South Georgia, and that was again it wasn't a move that was in the cards for us, and uh, we decided to stay in South Florida. So uh, you went from then with my, you went from Marlin to Remington to Taurus, and then yeah, jewelry design. That's like a crazy I sure transition. Did. I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess and, that and what I, you I, saw I, I was, is like when you designed when you were an engineer for guns you mm -hmm. saw the beauty in the little pieces and the fine details, correct? And that's what inspired you to make a jewelry line. I really did. Uh, I, what I was seeing in the design work that I was doing was, was something that a lot of people didn't get an opportunity to, to really see, which is there was a beauty inside the guns that uh, mechanically and functionally made them work. And it was, it was something that I, I really felt like if people were able to see this and see it from my perspective, that they would have a different appreciation for the, the beauty and history of firearms. Well, I want to show off the piece that I got. Um, and it comes in a really cool case. And I didn't expect this case. It's a gun case. Um, so yeah, that, I opened it up and I'm like, touch. wow. 
it's an actual real <laughs> gun case because like there's a hole there for a lock. But I bought the nine millimeter hollow point pendant, and I love it. It's beautiful. Oh, you see it? Oh, thank and, you. I'm really glad you love it. That's yeah. it. You know, he's eighty six. The host. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> nice job, Joe. Yeah. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. And um, can you tell us um, what makes your jewelry different from everybody else's? Sure. I'd love to. The uh, the, the thing that kind of sets us apart from a lot of the other uh, gun jewelry designers out there is that we, we position ourselves as a luxury brand within the firearm space. Uh, we only use fine materials, whether it be sterling silver, 14, 18 karat gold. And we even have some platinum offerings that, that we we do for some of our customers. Uh, and then when it comes to the stonework we do, we we offer both natural, naturally mined or lab-grown gemstones uh, or diamonds for our customers as well. Now, all the design work I do, I, I do all that in the, the same style of 3D CAD programs I've been working to design guns and uh, manufacturing processes and parts over the years uh, with, with the different gun companies I've worked for. Uh, so that's a, a really cool carryover to, you know, just to help grow and share our story. But the uh, the design work that we, we that I like to do it, it focuses like you, like you've seen it on the nuances of the firearms rather than some of the in your face approach to to firearms to, uh, jewelry uh, that is is out there in the market before we got there. Uh, and like I said, there's there's a beauty in in some of these these nuanced parts that uh, tell a very interesting story. Yeah, so I really our, our pieces. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You, Oh, I was going to tell you that I really like that it's not just a gun, you know, or it's not just um, a casing that just the back of the casing, um, like a primer yeah. or something. So you have what we have here. What you sent me is the air bolt and the trigger and a butterfly. And what is this like a two, two, three? That's a, uh, a full two, two, three cartridge. Correct. Yeah. So 223, but it's engraved with We the People, and I love it. So I would love to see one that says San Diego County Gun Owners on it for gun prom. Oh, that'd be nice. And that you know what nice? else? That one right there, what I is that one called? That. This is the um, the 9mm hollow point. That could be wore by a man or a woman. Correct. And all you know, Pretty much all these things besides the butterfly, obviously. I mean, uh, I'm not to judge, but hey, you can don't both, be you judging. Don't, you can wear it if you want but to, that's but pretty, everything can that's be That's pretty cool, Joe, that you've got it to wear. You know, anybody could wear this, this uh, jewelry. Thank you, and and that's one of the things that we pride ourselves on is you know they just like guns you know the guns are are universal for both men and women it doesn't matter so the pieces that I've I've designed and created I, I like to be able to have them uh, fit both men and women equally. I'm going to get you a hollow point, Mike. You should. I would have to describe this as jewelry of a higher caliber. Oh. <laughs> Charge him ten percent more, would you please? <laughs> so, what Will kind do. of warranty do you have? What kind of warranty do you have on your jewelry? So, when people get our our stuff, we we give them a, a full two weeks to decide if they like it or not, and and they can return it for for no questions asked after that. But after that, I've got a full one year on on any defects from from the the fabrication manufacturing process. And there's really not many questions that, that need to be asked. Just reach out to me, uh, you know, talk to me directly, and we'll, we'll resolve any issues that you have. And fortunately, because we, I've taken such a, a quality-first approach to our, our jewelry brand, we really haven't had to dip into that, that policy much over the years uh, at all. Usually quali so, uh, quality eliminates that problem normally. You it, know. Sure, 
It sure does. And that, that was that was a principle we learned in uh, in Lean Six Sigma, which is if you if you do it right the first time, you don't have to worry about the quality of product. Right. Do you mind me asking pricing? I, I know Melissa was probably going to jump into that, but <laughs> well, sure thing. I mean, like I said, we we are a luxury brand, and but we we've got stuff that that starts around the twenty dollar range, uh, but we've got stuff as high as you know five six thousand dollars. Okay, so how about uh, this but, bullet? How about this uh, bullet necklace? Just for curiosity. So, so the so the uh, the 9mm hollow point is 195 and then we've got a number of uh, chain options that we got onto that as well. That is more than reasonable, let me tell you, because when it comes to jewelry and as beautiful as that is and you can tell, you know, a lot of a lot of love went into that. That that's a very reasonable price. That would make for a great gift for somebody that's in the gun world, Michael. And Dave knows jewelry, so no, I don't. Well, I sort of kind of do, but, you know, and it's, I, you know, to me, when I'm looking at jewelry, I'm not looking at the price of it. I'm looking at the quality. I'm looking at the craftsmanship. The story behind it is helpful as well. So I think that's just the way I shop myself personally. And I think a lot of people do as well when they deal with this type of jewelry. It's, and he doesn't cool. only do jewelry. He actually does these really cool, like, lamps. Yeah, I've seen the lamps, man. Tell those us are... about those lamps, Joe. That's new to your Yeah, where'd you come core. up with that idea? Middle of the night, set straight up? Uh, that, that's where most of my ideas come from, middle of the night. <laughs> Sit straight <laughs> up. Here, yeah, sitting here talking to my wife about some crazy ideas. Uh, but, no, that's a, that's a new addition to our product line this year. Uh, and we, we've been teaming with different artists and craftsmen all over, uh, curating new pieces uh, to, to reach out and you know, give new offerings for our clients. Uh, the, the lamps are a perfect example of that, and it's it's something that was our first product that we added beyond our, our traditional jewelry line, and it's been a really big hit, and we're, it's something that's going to be, you know, sticking to our product line, I, I hope, for, for a very long time. That lamp looks like it should be in John Wick. Like, it's so pimp. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> the, I love it. The lamp, it's like like the body of the lamp's a rifle, right? Right. Is that yes. what we're talking about? And, yeah, yeah. Like and then another one's a pistol. Yeah, there's a pistol one. For like a small table lamp, and then there's a, a floor I think model. AK forty seven is that the, that the one? Is that a floor model? Yeah, that's a floor yeah, the, lamp. Uh, the AK forty seven is coming soon. Okay, <laughs> that is so, so we have a discount code for you guys: um, GOR fifteen for fifteen percent off at JoeWallDesign.com. Joe, keep up the good work, man. Looks good. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, hey, go to GunOwnersRadio.com backslash subscribe. Join our email list right now. You could be a winner. And check out our website to see our Magnum interviews by going to gunownersradio.com slash Magnum. And check out our latest interview with John Correa on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Black Hound Optics, accurate, affordable, guaranteed sporting optics that go the distance. Backed by customer service, it goes that extra mile. You might never, you might remember uh, when Joe reviewed some of the scopes. Great guys, great product, and a great company that is making optics affordable. On top of quality optics, they pay close attention to the customer experience. Did you know their scopes come with mounts? So you don't have to worry about finding one that fits. And we are so excited to have them on as an official partner of the show. 
and for them at your or ask for them at your local gun store or find them online at blackhoundoptics.com. We have another call-in guest. Yeah, we do. Mark Nugent, who's an Orange County Gun Owners uh, board member. Uh, Mark, you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you doing? Good. Doing well. Thank you so much for serving on the board for Orange County Gun Owners. I appreciate all the hard work that you do. And I believe, you, did, are you at the gun show currently? No, I, I was there earlier. You were there? How did it go? It went um, very well. Um, it was packed. Hours of uh, lines for the ammo. And also people at our booth commented about the diversity of how happy they were that um, people from all walks of life were exercising their Second Amendment. I personally heard people speaking um, Chinese, Spanish, Arabic, other, you know, all sorts of diverse crowd um, liking their constitutional rights. So that was that was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's very, very cool. And uh, Mark, you've you're you've you're a recent addition to the Orange County Gun Owners Board. Um, mainly because you've been around Orange County politics, uh, heavily involved for, for, for a while now. In fact, you just ran for office recently and, yes. uh, I can give you my, sure. Go for it. I can give you my uh, elevator pitch. Uh, my background is 20 years, U S army, military police, captain, commander, anti-terrorism officer, and security advisor in the Pacific region. I was also an infantry paratrooper in 82nd and, uh, worked as a cav recon as well. Uh, Irvine city finance advisory committee member and county commissioner, um, and uh, I ran for a school or my school board and Irvine City Council, and I'll be involved again in, in some fashion or another. Nice, fantastic. Appreciate you being so involved in uh, something so important as local politics. So, talk about the recall. I know you you uh, give okay. us a little recap. What, what, where are we at? Okay, I have some talking facts that I'll just Go point out to you. The recall needs 1,495,709 valid signatures. That's 12% of the 12,464,000 votes cast in the previous governor election. So far, the uh, recall Newsom campaign turned over 2.1 million. Wow. Um, the recall Gavin Newsom campaign said they independently um, validated 1.9 million signatures. Um, if you were to check the uh, government pages, they said uh, the last few days ago they validated 1.1 and change a million. So it's looking good. Um, the word I'm getting is it's going to be good and there's going to be a recall election. Uh, if the measure gets on the ballot, political insiders say the voters should expect an election in October or November. Wow. Okay. So, and I would, what's that going to look like? Are there, so candidates are already starting to run. Um, do we know if, uh, uh, you know, does does Newsom, uh, does he get to run again, or is it just a thumbs up, thumbs down, or how does that work? Um, that's, that leads on to my next topic, actually, sure. perfectly. Um, issue is there will be hundreds of candidates splitting the votes. It's just a wide-open election, uh, no primary. So um, the challenge will be figuring out who has the best chance to win. What, and what do you think? What, what, what will give somebody uh, the best chance of, to, of winning? <laughs> it's almost like we scripted this. So the next point is um, uh, we had an OCGOP at a central committee meeting when we discussed this in detail, and uh, it takes at least $20 million to win uh, for advertising costs. Just $20 and, million, um, that's it, huh? Do they, will they take a check? I'll, um, I'll write a check today. <laughs> minimum. Well, I can go into detail on that. Even with money, there's no guarantee of a win. You can have all the money in the world and be, still be a toxic candidate. Yeah. And a good example of this is Andy Thornburn. Have you heard of him? No. He's worth, I heard, about $100 million. Yeah. Um, he spent 3 to $4 million to lose 
Mr. Porter in the primary for the 45th Congressional District. Then in 2020, he spent about a million dollars against Dr. Ken Williams for OC Board of Education. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ken Williams, who's a friend of mine, spent about $15,000. And Dr. Ken Williams won by a landslide. Hmm. So basically, and money then, doesn't always guarantee a win. But I'll tell you, if you don't have... I, if you want to win, yeah. you better get money. So, so Mark, let, yeah, let me so. Mark, let me throw my negativity in here because I do this ever since the election. How confident are you that it's going to be a fair election? That is such a loaded question. <laughs> I can tell you that in Orange County, um, the numbers made sense to me as far okay. as the numbers cast and how the vote was split, how it was spread in Irvine. Um, I'm very confident in Orange County okay. that they do fair elections. They do them right and legal. And the numbers totally made sense to me of how it, it turned out for the last election. Okay. Um, well, honestly, if you're going to fix it, if you're on the left side of the spec, if you're in, in, the, in the Democrat camp and you're going to go spend a bunch of you know, money and time and, and take risks on rigging an election – you don't do it in California. You don't have to. <laughs> you know, we're, they're, they're going to go, you know, straight dem, uh, down. I think they're already rigging it. That's the problem. They're getting away with it. Yeah. I don't think they have to. Here. Joe yeah. has hey, a question. Well, <laughs> oh, hey, hey Mark, I was going to ask you, if, um, if uh, Gavin, assuming Gavin Newsom's going to run again, I assume he is, uh, for the recall, is it likely that there's any Democrats that will challenge that or challenge him? That, that's a good point. If Democrats do challenge him, that's bad for him because it's going to split the vote on the left side. And that gives, uh, if the Republicans can have this party and narrow it down to just one candidate that they all support, they will win. Well, is it, how likely is that? Because Republicans do that to themselves all um, the time. Uh, would, would somebody do yes, it with Newsom? Um, I, that's the big question. I don't know. I mean, there's so many personalities that I'm aware of. Of I, I can think of 10 governor candidates off the top of my head that I know. So um, it's how well the party leaders can lead. That's the question. Can they pull, pull everyone together in one direction? I think that's called control. I think that's called control. If, if, it's, if um, it depends on how well the party leaders can lead, we're, we're, we're doomed. <laughs> Especially on the Republican side. Uh, <laughs> that's rude. Yeah, it, that's it, rude, Mark. I'm so sorry. There's so many variables. You know, like Irvine is a microcosm of the much larger state or national um, and there's just so many variables. Like, uh, I don't think we're going to have enough Republican candidates in Irvine, which swings it to the Republicans to take uh, the city council back. And that is because um, just knowing the personalities, they just, some of them just don't want to do it anymore. Mm. Um, so you have people maybe burned out, medical issues, mm. lack of money. And then you might have someone just all of a sudden became a Bitcoin billionaire and said, hey, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and go spend $50 million to be the governor of California. So it's, it's still predictable, and then you have the personalities fighting to the state and the county GOPs on top of all that. And then exacerbating it, you have the college Republicans arguing with each other as well. Where they have two factions there, which went from personality difference into ideological separations. So it's complex, lots of layers to it. So, okay. The non-answer answer? Let, yeah, yeah, I don't know, really. So let, let's take a step back. So all the, there's no more signing. All the signatures are being signed, or all the signatures are being verified and counted right now, right? So there, there isn't anything else to be done as far as activism. Is that, is that correct? I mean, as far as the recall goes? Yeah, as far yeah. as the recall goes. Yeah. Correct. They, um, this, the, the deadline has already passed to right. turn in the signatures. They turn in $2.1 million. Um, the campaign is saying they had 19, you know, 1.1,964,203 been pre-verified by independent third party vendor. 
However, the state, uh, I can only find that they verified, you know, a little over 1.1 million. And what do you charge? That, that's that's a, an amazing accomplishment, frankly. That they got 2.1 million signatures. I mean, that there have been other um, efforts, yeah, to, not just recalls, but other efforts to gather signatures that weren't nearly as successful. What do you chalk Correct. up the? How, why was this successful? What do you chalk it up to? People are upset about the pandemic and having their businesses shut down and everything fall apart. Right. And other states uh, were fine. And keeping uh, his and keeping his businesses open, going to restaurants, and basically making a law that he doesn't want to abide by. That's it. I think it's a shared experience. People are upset, and it's a reflection of it. That's yeah. interesting. It's an interesting way of putting it. It's a shared experience yeah. where, where basically yeah, everybody right. had. You know, we've we've tried to do things as far as uh, you know, gun owners try to do things like, hey, uh, you know, we're we're being you know picked on or oppressed or whatever. And it, I think it's hard for some people to relate to because maybe they're not gun owners. But this was a shared experience. Everybody right. went through this. Democrats, Republicans, declined the state. We yeah. all we all got screwed. <laughs> and lied oh, yeah. to. I, I, yep. And um, it's just um, post-World War II, everyone had that shared experience. So they made a lot of good decisions for a long time until that generation went away. So it's this is a, something we all had to bear together and watch him do what he did. And it was so public. Everyone saw it. I don't think I've heard anyone say they like the guy. No, and and it doesn't help when he calls you a Nazi. Yeah, that's it's um, I, I tell you that's their typical you know yeah. name calling is their their defense. Sure, that that's how they. And I think you hit on something really important. The old guard is not there anymore. The folks that they used to be able to rely on to get all of this stuff passed through, the younger generation, Democrats, are looking at it. I think with a different look. Yeah, and remember the Democrats, they, they also fight amongst themselves worse than the Republicans fight amongst themselves. But when it comes time to face the Republicans, they actually come together. Right. Um, that's, that's the big difference where Republicans are more independent thinking and uh, more dependent on themselves. Hey, so that's, that's you don't want Nancy to come to your house, do you, if you vote the wrong way? No, of course not. There you go. Of course not. <laughs> But this was a good example too. The shared experience, uh, I really like that. I'm gonna, I'm stealing. You use that. I'm gonna steal that from you, Mark, because I, I like that. You're absolutely right. But the other thing is, this was a good example of of organizing. You know, people yeah. uh, stepping up and, and and organizing and doing things. Uh, and the rest of the states seen this because because California is the trendsetter in many many areas. And I think when the public seen what we did out here. I think that kind of said, hey, you know, if we get in ourselves into a situation, we can do the same. I hope so. Now, Mark, I know you don't have a crystal ball, and this is an extremely yeah, difficult uh, question to answer, but how's this going to go? What do you think is going to happen? I just give you a bunch of what ifs. If this happens, that'll happen. If right. this happens, that'll happen. Right. Um, I'm in this every day. I'm analyzing it, and nothing is, nothing is ever what it seems. When you get in there, I always tell people, things that you think are conspiracy theories totally aren't. Some of these people actually believe this nonsense. And then other things you think are kind of bad are way worse than you think they are. And that's been my, my experience. Wow. Um, and because some people think, well, it has to be conspiracy theory. They can't be that stupid. I'm like, no, they, they really are that no, stupid no, no, no. policy. My wife says they're all aliens. And that's <laughs> it in a nutshell. <laughs> if you're listening in Orange County, go to AC, or, excuse me, OCGunOwners.com. Thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate you. Uh, Great interview, Mark. It. Great. Keep up the good fight. Take care. Okay. Bye. All right, folks. Hey, up next, guess who? Sam the Gunman on Stump My Nephew. And 
a real mic drop. You can't hear it if you don't listen, so stay with us right here on FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, folks, our show needs your help. We live in a state where your self-defense rights are quickly eroding. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things you can do. Like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Parler, the podcast, or whatever way you like to listen to the show. Share the show with as many people as you can. And thanks for tuning in. And remember, today, we will win. Well, are you going to do stump your nephew? Yep, absolutely. Um, Say hi to him. You weren't here last week. I know. I, we, we, I, I missed you, Sam. So How you doing, buddy? Stumped? I'm good. How are you guys? Did you get stumped last week? No. no I was asking, is he here to be stumped? Yeah, are you here to be stumped? That's the question. <laughs> no, he didn't get stumped. This is a good question, I think. Uh, Melissa's going to read it. Okay, so Sam, the gunman, is my nephew. So every week we do stump my nephew. We found out that uh, 21-year-old Sam, actually he was like 18 or 19 at the time when we found this out, is fantastic when it comes to gun trivia. So if you send in a trivia question and we use it, uh, well, if you send in a question, yeah, if you send in a question and you use it, we give you apparel. We give you a shirt or a hat or whatever you like. And he does not ever see the question. He doesn't. Get, he doesn't see this question in advance. Um, and if you stump him with a question, then you get the apparel and you get a front sight membership. And he'll Ooh. and he'll cry. Yeah. And he'll send you a, a signed uh, black Ta- and white uh, headshot. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, or wallet sized, whatever, whatever you prefer. Yeah. This was not part of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so without further ado, Hit it, Melissa. the lovely Melissa. Thank you. Hi, Sam. Hi, how are you? Good. So question, Abby in La Mesa. Her question is, the first shotgun- Actually, before we go any further, Sam, I want you to know, Melissa shoots a CZ. Do you have any thoughts on that before we go any further? Why are you going to put me out like that? Um, yeah, well, first of all, I would ask what model. Um, uh, SPO1. Oh, very nice. Uh, so it's it's weird um, working at a gun store, it, well, for a lot of reasons. But um, I have customers come in all the time, and when I show them our uh, our case of really, really nice CZs, like we've got a couple of Shadow 2s, an SPO1 Custom. I want work. that Shadow 2. Um, uh, the, some of these people go, well, CZ, who are they? I've never heard of them. Well... On the like the competition circuit in Europe, that's all anyone's using. They're just a little bit less established stateside, so it's weird that the, these people sort of poo-poo such a, a well-made brand of uh, firearms. None of those guys have a man bun, do they? Um, I, I have. I have to admit, I have seen some CZ fans with man buns. Um, really? Type may be a little bit true. What a, what a shocker! All right, you know what? Enough of this. Back I think to the we're question. We're going a little yeah, this... deep in the woods here. <laughs> All right, back to the question. Learned about that in my microaggression training today. <laughs> Your microaggression can't, can't say training. That. <laughs> yeah, can't say that. <laughs> okay, so Abby in La Mesa, she asked, um, "The first shotguns were capable of being slam fired. What is that, and why can't modern shotguns do it?" 
Thanks very much for writing in, Abby. That's a really interesting question. Now, um, those of you who are familiar with um, self-loading uh, long guns, especially the AR and AK platforms, may know of the disconnector in the trigger group, which essentially prevents the hammer from following the bolt closed as it uh, returns to battery, um, which, which can be a dangerous condition, or it, uh, sometimes it can lead to unintentional fully automatic fire known as a slam fire. Um, now, early shotguns, let me back up a little bit. Modern pump-action shotguns also have a disconnector because it's possible, if you're good enough and strong enough, to uh, slide the action closed rapidly enough that the hammer will have enough energy, if, if you have your finger still holding the trigger down, that the hammer can have enough energy to fire the next cartridge uh, before it's in battery, which can be dangerous again. But early shotguns didn't have this. So you could intentionally induce a slam fire by squeezing the trigger continuously and running the pump back and forth really, really fast. And if you did it quickly enough, then, then you could fire off all four or five or seven or eight shells, however many you had, uh, in very rapid succession. Uh, one shotgun that had this was the uh, Winchester Model 1897, which uh, a variant of which was used by the U.S. military in World War I as the uh, famous trench gun. Yeah, that's the answer. Yeah, I think that's the answer. Yep. And, and if that's the truth, if that was true today, yeah. shotguns would be banned in California. Oh, I, they'd be, I think they'd be, they'd be cooler. The they might be cooler, <laughs> they but they'd be, be banned. They would be banned. But you know, I think my old my shotgun from childhood, my Ithaca Model Thirty Seven. I think you're gonna go that. home and try it. No, I'm her. not. I didn't. I didn't think it was a good idea when I heard about it. But I think that's one of the older <laughs> ones that. Uh, has that issue nice job okay Sam. coming in by the way we have another question here not so much trivia coming in from uh youtube dr exotic is watching on youtube he's listening to the show and and watching uh he has a question for sam sam do you have a girlfriend because oh. <laughs> he has a according to dr exotic he has a beautiful daughter so oh my goodness um no i do not have a girlfriend uh thanks to everyone on on youtube for watching i didn't know we were uh we were on youtube but that's that's cool. No, I do not have a girlfriend. Never have. All right. We're going to have to work on that. Um, uh, no, save your money. <laughs> I think she has to be Jewish, right? Well, yeah. Uh, that would be a bonus. That would be a bonus. Okay, cool. Let me see your resume. <laughs> All right, Sam. Awesome job, as always. You saved me a, uh, a front site membership. Yeah. So, and uh, a hat, a shirt. What's her name from wherever doesn't get uh, – she just gets a, a hat Abby or a shirt. From or Abby from La Mesa. Thank Abby you very from much. La Mesa. Thank you, Abby. That was actually a fantastic question. Appreciate you writing in. If you have a question about guns, please write in. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sammy. Good job. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, Uncle Mike, as I recall, you have uh, one of those older pump-action shotguns that <laughs> lacks a disconnector. I think last time I was out there, I showed that feature <laughs> to you. <laughs> Remember, e we're on the, e we're on the e air. E uh, <laughs> Here anyway, they come. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> Cut them off. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Okay, this will be an interesting <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> it is now time for this week's mic drop. Mic drop. Yeah. The weekend, or this weekend, the gun show returned to Orange County at the fairgrounds in Costa Mesa. Although the show, by all accounts, was great and had lots of vendors, it was different this time. Rather than use the indoor warehouse facilities, they were forced to have the show outside and in tents. Uh, not in tents, in 
tents. What's the difference was between indoors and a tent? <laughs> was it intense? No, no, no. It wasn't intense. It was. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Everyone was masked, and the show was three days rather than two because they wanted to spread out the crowd a little bit. Uh, this is all due to COVID, of course. Of course. There was something else that was different. The gun show had a guest. The guest was State Senator Dave Min. Senator Min is from Orange County and just got into office by the skin of his teeth, beating Senator Morlock uh, by just a couple of percentage points. So, now that he's in office, what's he do? Does he tackle the enormous homeless problem that plagues his district? No. Not that. Does he take on the horrible drug addiction issue that's destroying families and neighborhoods in his no. district? No. Not that either. Does he spend time fixing the overburdened unemployment system in California that is in dire need of help due to the COVID restrictions? No, didn't do that either. He's been in office for just a couple of months, and he's already introduced a bill to stop the sale of firearms and ammunition on state property. This is especially significant in Orange County because they hold their show on fairgrounds, which is, of course, owned by the state. Anti-gun people and groups have been trying hard to get rid of the show uh, quite frankly, for a long time, but the community in Orange County likes the show, so they always stand up and say, no, we want it back. Time and again, they come out in droves to defend the show. As a result, the anti-gunners elected Senator Min and had him author a bill he knows nothing about. But Mike, you may say, how do you know he knows nothing about this bill? Well, because he has no experience in public policy prior to being elected. That's number one. So it's not like he was a community leader um, or heard from constituents about what a problem the gun show causes. But more importantly, he was at the gun show today, or yesterday, technically, uh, because he'd never been to a gun show before. So he gets into office and writes decide, a bill to get rid to of— go look into it. Well, he writes the first writes the bill that he wants to get rid of gun shows, having never, ever visited a gun show before, not once, not in his entire life. 20 bucks says he didn't write it. He it's exactly my point. He didn't write it. He, didn't he, write he it. quote unquote authored a bill to destroy a local industry that he had absolutely no experience with and no firsthand knowledge of. At least according to his post, this isn't speculation. This he actually was proud of this. He was proud of the fact that he authored a bill um, on something he knew absolutely nothing about. He also said, uh, "Quote: I'm still processing what I saw. There were a lot of guns being sold. Yeah, at a gun show. You think?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> One of the more popular vendors was selling ghost guns, essentially gun kits that are meant to be assembled by the purchaser. Since these are not technically firearms, they are not subject to licensing or background checks until they're assembled, at which point the purchaser is supposed to self-report. This vendor's wares included gun kits for Glock 22s, handguns, Air 15, like semi-automatic rifles, which could be purchased in cash, taken right off the premises. There are so many lies in this statement that I don't even know where to begin. You can't just simply assemble parts uh of of a uh, of a of you know metal parts that haven't been machined yet um he implies that all these guns being sold were they were just walking right off sure the uh put them in their back property which isn't true every purchase has to go through a background check has to go through a wait period everything this guy said in this whole statement uh was at, at best misleading and at worst a blatant lie but truth and honesty never matter to those who are being told what their agenda has to be, which is exactly what you just said, Dave. Right. Senator Min won, and yes, elections have consequences. The consequences of her of his were the death of honesty and probably the gun show, at least on state property. So my suggestion is, Orange County, let's make the consequences of his next election his job. There and you that go. is this week's Mic Drop. 
All right. Hey, folks, we're just about out of time. Bob Siegel's in the wings, and his hair is on fire again. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.